we're going to go back to our study of Ephesians. So get your Bibles, and I'm grabbing mine right now. Uh, my little marker is right there at the first chapter of Ephesians. Now, what we're doing today is we're going back to our study of themes in Ephesians. There are 10, 10 major blessings or joys that are recorded in Ephesians, and those are what I'm really grabbing. So it's not a thorough, we're not going through and looking at every verse, although that very first slide looks like we're reading everything in the world. But if you'll turn with me to Ephesians 1 verse 4, that's our theme, although it's our introductory theme to Ephesians. In a, the next slide, we'll talk about another one. But of course, the theme of Ephesians is the church. There are people that don't like the church. They don't like church. Maybe they've been hurt by church or whatever. They think everybody's a hypocrite and all those kinds of things. Plus, we're in a world where there's an attack on truth and the things of God. They believe anything except Christianity because their hearts are moved in that way and so on. And, and the Bible said these things would happen. But the book of Ephesians is a look at the benefit or the, the beauty or the joy or the blessings. These are all really the same word for when you are in the church of the living God. Anybody glad you were saved and God got a hold of your life? You got into the church. Now, it is possible to find the Lord, get religious, and then not build your life in the church, and that's what causes people's downfall. The minute they think the church is, oh, that's not important. What's important is I, I'm my own. I can do it all on my own. You cannot do it on your own. When I was in high school, I graduated uh, they, that, that evening. They came in, and they had some opera singer. And it's very beautiful. I love opera. This is not about that. And she was singing, uh, no man. Of course, I, now I sound like I am. Um, I, I'm, I can't sing opera. I wasn't meaning to sing opera. But anyway, she was singing, no man is an island. And someone asked me later what, what scripture that was. But, of course, it is a truth it's not a Bible verse, but it is a truth. No man is an island unto himself, even if you weren't even thinking about Christian principles. But certainly, for example, just think of the Lord's Prayer. What does it start out with? No, what's it start? One word. Our. You have to change the Lord's Prayer if you're going to just do it on your own. My Father, which is in heaven, see, which, of course, would be a complete undermining of the Lord's Prayer. The reason we pray as we do is because all of us must serve God. We must work together. That means sometimes someone may not be exactly what we think they should be, or maybe they're not growing fast enough, or maybe they're not, maybe they're mean to you or something like that. And so you become, and immediately you think, oh, my goodness, what's happening? Oh, my, oh, the world. Fact of the matter is, God's going to give you strength to get victory over it because that is true. Because there are people growing in the church and there are people backsliding. This this occurs in the house of God. There are people right now. Maybe you're, they're not here. Probably none of them are here today. Because <laughs> you came in the rain, so I know they're not here. They're they're not here. But they're backsliding right now. Now, it doesn't mean they're going to backslide, but they're in the process. Something I've had a young person come to me and say, but the French, I was so close. I wanted to just I was so upset with God and I wanted to um, I'll never forget being in the hospital, a little girl that had four years old and, and she had cancer under this eye. And they were like, why, why the parents? And I want to tell you something. I, I, I wasn't going to say, oh, the answer is easy. There was no easy answer. 
And some people, I mean, you know, we could understand people are go through various times in their lives. But the church is the place where we grow and where we learn and we get the preaching of the word. If you think you're going to get the preaching of the word through some, well, you're going to have to get it through the church. All right, now let's look now. Ephesians 1, 4. He hath chosen us in him when? Before the foundation of the world. The church was God's idea before there ever was a world. Now let's read it again. He hath, I'm not reading the whole thing because I got a bunch of things. He hath chosen us in him before. Everybody say before. Okay, before. Does anybody not know what before means? There's, that's a word. The word before has meaning. All right. He chose us in Jesus before the world was ever created. In other words, what Ephesians is, is the study of how God planned for the church before it ever came about. Did you know that in the mind of God, Revelation tells us that Jesus was crucified before there was ever a world and ever a cross? And he wasn't literally crucified. It was already in the plan of God. He had already planned it all out. All right, so it, and so it is. Uh, he hath chosen us in him. Can we thank God for that right now? Let's just clap our hands and thank God. Thank you, Lord, for choosing me, giving me the privilege of being in the church. Now, that does, I'm not trying to say every church and everything is perfect about the church. I'm telling you that God's church was chosen before the foundation of the world. Just because a building's on a road, that doesn't mean that's a church. I'm not talking about every building, every place, every person. There are people that are as big of fakes as you could ever imagine, and it's sad. But that doesn't change the fact that God's church was chosen, and you were chosen in it. Now, I want to jump over to chapter 3. So get your Bibles. Let's, you could read that, but it's pretty tiny. I, put a, I should have just used one verse. But you know me. I wanted to get a bunch of scriptures in here. All right, so Ephesians 3, verse 19. Now, follow along with me. I'm going to read verse 19. You're going to read... Uh, I'm assuming that's 20. I didn't put the number. Here we go. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners. In other words, we used to be strangers and foreigners, but we're not. Now, we're fellow citizens with the saints and of, let's see if that's correct. That just doesn't seem like chapter three to me. Hold on. Just going to double check this. Is that it's supposed to be two, but I, doesn't that say three? Lord, forgive us. So, okay, that should have said two. So you should be reading from chapter two. Doesn't, don't, it doesn't matter what that says. That's wrong. It's chapter two. And I'm reading verse 19. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners. You ever had anybody say, well, that's foreign to me? And I'll say, well, yeah. Well, yeah, of course. Let's say, you mean you don't go there? No, I don't go there. Well, that's weird. Well, of course. It's different. That's different for you because you, you're a citizen of a different country. You speak a different language than I do. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. So that it's different for me. I'm his child. I love him. I serve him. It's not hard for me. Someone told me just recently, I could never live like that. And I said, no, you never could. But you become a child of God, you'll find out you can do anything with him. It's going to change your whole way of thinking. So now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Now, can you read verse 20? Here we go. And are built 
upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself. Was that verse 20 in your Bible? Okay. In whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord. And now let's read uh, 22 together. In whom ye also are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Now the key word in that last verse is together. Can you say the word together? So you can't do it together if you're alone. And the reason you do it together is because there are there are benefits of the church. Now, dead, boring church is very little. I can find, I can, mm, uh, I don't want to say there's absolutely nothing good goes on in places like that, but there's no reason for the church to be dead and boring. And there's no reason for the spirit to be cut out. Like people say, oh, we don't do that here. You know, when the spirit's trying to move and trying to work in people's lives, people should be able to weep and pray. There ought to be an altar. There should be places for people to get baptized. They should be able to praise God and hallelujah, glory to God and all that. That should be done. All right. Now let's go. Let's keep going. Let's go now to verse. I'm going to go back to verse three and I'm pinching myself that I didn't, uh, do this a little differently. Uh, all right. He hath blessed us. You notice the ellipses, so I'm jumping in the middle of the verse. I was double-checking it. He hath blessed us. Everybody say blessed us. It is a blessing. So, so God's church then becomes our connection to the power of God and the presence of God. How, do, how does that happen? Through worship. Now, someone said, well, you mean I can't worship alone? Well, of course you can worship alone. You're supposed to worship alone. But that is not where you're supposed to find that plug-in. For example, what if someone near you needs deliverance and you're not there to help them? Well, then you've, you've disconnected your... If it's only about you and your little piece of bread, then that's pretty measly. But it is not just about... And I don't mean that to sound ugly, but, but it's not just about you. It's not just about your little... Ble- oh, my little blessing, I feel really good today. Of course, that's great. Anybody? Hey, folks, I could shout. I have shouted on the interstate in the car... Sister French, uh, she's not listening. Uh, I, I've shouted uh, all kinds of places. I was on uh, heading into Chicago. I used to pastor in Chicago, but I heading into Chicago one day, and I got so, uh, I mean, I was, whoa, whoa. Then I realized I'm on, uh, I, what, what, I, whatever, the nine, 294. It matters which highway. Whoa, whoa. And I, I thought, in midair, I thought, I'm on the interstate. And it's a crowded place. I mean, this is, you know, Chicago. And heading into the hospital, and I looked over, and the person next to me was going. And I noticed they were speeding, trying to get around that guy. And I thought, well, I've already been found, so hallelujah, I just kept praising God. 
And I knew I wasn't doing it. I didn't mean to be seen. It wasn't about that. I just simply was praising God. Because, hey, folks, we can praise God anywhere, anytime. You can feel the Holy Ghost. I walked in a home the other day. In fact, I mean, almost every week I'll step into somebody's home and all of a sudden I'll begin to feel the presence of the Lord. Or other circumstances where I, all of a sudden I begin to feel the Holy Ghost. That's good. It ought to be that way. But that is not a substitute for the house of God. It is no substitute for the house of God. There are people that need ministered to, and not the least of which lost souls that need you. You cannot win souls alone and never ever trying to win them. The church is the place where this happens. So he hath blessed us with what? All spiritual blessings. Everybody say us. Yeah, that's the church. He's blessed the church. He's blessed us in the church with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. It's our access to heavenly things. Now, I know there are plenty of people that are not hungry for heavenly things. It's obvious. It's obvious. I'm, I'm not, we're not silly. I'm not being silly here. There's a, you need to be very careful. Listen, why would Hollywood stars be interested in your spiritual success? They have no interest in your spiritual success. They're not interested in spiritual things. And the minute that the other day when this Hollywood star spoke out and said, I believe all religions are the same. I said, well, of course you do. Of course you do. No, no surprise. Well, good. It's a free country. You can say that. Of course, they speak then to millions of young people who then say, oh, well, then that must mean doesn't matter what you believe, who you were. You could worship a totem pole. It wouldn't make any difference. But that's not true. See? Because that person is not speaking for, on, for your spiritual well-being. But God is concerned about your spiritual well-being. And therefore, if you're hungering for heavenly things, you're going to have a connect into the spirit of God. You need to, and let's say this. I know I need to hurry along. But um, you need to hunger for spiritual things. You need to say, Lord, I need to feel you. I need your help. I need your touch. Does anybody here today need a touch from God? You need something from God? Can we just tell him about it for a minute? Father, I really do. I need a touch of God. I need your strength, your blessing. Lord, I want to be in heavenly places. I pray. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. So when I say, Lord, they got cancer, what am I going to do about it? I can step into heavenly places. And when the devil says there's no answer for cancer, I can say, devil, you're a liar. I'm in heavenly places. I'm in the presence of God. I'm in the presence of God. Hallelujah. 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 I was in a, uh, some people were not believers. They were, they weren't, they weren't atheists, but they weren't believers. And, and, and I began to, I was talking to them. I began, we're, they were kind of, you know, int- we were talking about my faith. And so we were talking and all of a sudden I could feel the presence of the Lord. And usually I'll just say, you know, something. And I thought, well, I won't say anything because they were like way brand new. And I was, you know, I wanted to give them at least three or four seconds before I started in. So uh, I kind of held back because I was about to really break into. I forget sometimes when the Holy Ghost starts moving. I'm not, you know, this is a restaurant or whatever, you know. Not supposed to be talking in tongues right here at the salad bar. 
And the people said, the gentleman said, what, what is that? I f- whoa, I feel, I feel something. I said, do you feel it? You feel that? They said, yes, I feel that. I said, that you just experienced the Holy Spirit moving. You felt the Holy Spirit moving because you're talking to a child of God. I love him. I'm serving him. I'm not ashamed of it. I don't care what they say. I'm a child of God. And you felt his touch because I felt his touch. I'm in the, I was standing here in the presence of God. And you know why I stepped from earth into heavenly places? was because we were talking about your need. We are talking about your child. Your need, your desperation. And in the midst of that, my soul was able to reach out into heavenly things instead of earthly things. So we're not talking about who's perfect and who's better than somebody else. It's not what we're talking about. We're talking about his presence. All right, now, let's keep going. Now, let's go to verse uh, 4. I'm going to read the ESV, so you might want to just read along in the Bible. But if you want to see that that's... Is there not another one? That's not it? Let's go back. I'm sorry. That's it. Okay. Let's go to um, Ephesians 4 through 7. I'm reading from the ESV, and um, you'll find this interesting the way it's worded. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him, In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. This is talking about the value of the church. All right. So according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. And how many notice that I enlarge the word grace because it comes in here twice and it's going to come in several times in chapter two. But what I'm what I did that for was for you to notice that grace is what he's talking about, the favor. And we weren't worthy. Anybody here know you weren't worthy, but God was good to you anyway. Of course, we weren't worthy. It was the grace and it was the we might say the mercy Someone said to the judge, have mercy, you know, that's now I know mercy and grace are separate things, but they're they're twins. You can barely separate mercy and grace. They go together so closely. What I'm trying to express to you is that when God shows his favor upon you, it's because he loves you in spite of everything else. But he doesn't love you and say, go murder a bunch of people. He loves you and says, here, let me show you what you can be if you become my child. I'll put you in my church and among my people and then you will. Find the true grace of God. Your life will be changed. Oh, the grace of God. So, which he lavished upon us. And that's really the reason I use the ESV. Although I, I use the ESV because it's very faithful to the text and so on. Uh, but I also because they use the word lavished. He lavished his grace upon us. Does anybody know what the word lavish means? To lavish it? No? Nobody knows? Is that not a common word to lavish? It's an odd word, it's, but I've heard it, you know, I mean, it, I don't know that it's an uncommon word, but to lavish something. 
uh, means would it be safe to say that you use a lot of it? You just you don't hold back. You lavish it. Sometimes we talk about I hear this a lot. Lavished praise. And I don't mean we hear it all the time, but you do hear it. He lavished he lavished his grace upon us in all wisdom and insight. All right, let's keep going. We're going to go now to and we're, we're reviewing here. I'm not trying to hurry. And we look at verse 11 in whom also we have obtained an inheritance. And I've enlarged that, verse 11. And now verse 13, in, in him you also, when you heard the truth of the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, this is ESV, I'm sorry, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So he's explaining what the church did for you. you when you got in the Lord and you turned to God, you also, when you heard the truth, the gospel, and believed, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Now, that is, uh, uh, that is uh, amazing that you were sealed. Now, it, it, that might seem a bit strange to some of you, so I want to pause a moment. Um, this is speaking symbolically of the way that what the spirit does on your behalf. Now, the word sealed is clear, but but I want to take it a bit further because it doesn't just mean like a Ziploc. OK, you could seal a Ziploc. It doesn't mean that. By the way, there were no everybody. Anybody think there were Ziplocs in the Bible? There were no Ziplocs. OK, Ziploc is something that we've come across i'm gonna shock some of you but you know the post-it notes some of you think noah put one on the ark put it on the door of the ark no there were no post-it notes somebody invented did you know that they invented the glue it was i read the other day it was an accident they were trying to do something make some kind i don't know what they were i don't know i didn't read it that close but they they were making one thing and then they were touching it and they they could see that they could pull it off it was sticky and that's how they came up with post-it notes. Isn't that spiritual? Hallelujah. And I'm shocking some of you to tell you that post-it notes were not on the ark. Adam and Eve didn't stick them to the fruit. No, that's, that's relatively new, and there were no Ziplocs. And therefore, we're not talking necessarily about a seal, like a, a jar, although we have to think about that, but... There was a way in which you could seal something, and that was to use a seal. In other words, you used wax in the ancient world. You would do it to letters, and we still do it, but especially in the ancient world. And then they would place their mark upon that seal, and if it were broken, then you would know that somebody had gotten into it. So he hath sealed us, which means, so I'm trying to say that for a reason. I didn't want to pause this, but I'm, I'm going to do it because we are now his and his name is impressed upon us. I was a nobody, but now I'm a Christian. I'm a child of God. I, am I arrogant about it? No, I'm not arrogant about it, but I'm happy about it. Hallelujah. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. I've been sealed in his imprint is upon me and so the spirit makes me his in other words and so that becomes my guarantee when they look and see the seal upon me 
then it's my guarantee. So every time I come to the house of God and I feel someone said to me, uh, it, well, it doesn't matter when, uh, I, I, Brother French, I, I can't seem to break through. I can't seem to speak in tongues or whatever. I said, well, then you need to do it. I think they thought I was going to say, uh, well, you know, you're so sweet and wonderful and it doesn't really matter as long as you petted the dog and, and the cat. And, no, I didn't. I said, here's what, if you are wrestling with the presence of God, you need to trust God until you break through. Just, just keep praying. I don't mean to be nervous about it, but you need, to, you need to make every effort. You don't need to say, oh, well, I'll just go out in the lobby. You need to say, I need to break into the presence of a mighty God. I'm a child of God. I need to feel his presence. Hallelujah. Did you know that a baby knows its mother's touch? Knows the difference. It knows its mother's touch. And I know, I know. One time I was speaking to a, a room full of, uh, it was a university classroom of, and they were all Muslims except a couple of people, but it was mostly all Muslims. And I'd been invited because they wanted to understand why I spoke in tongues. So that was, you know, it wasn't like a thing. I didn't do it. They invited me. I went. And uh, they wondered how I knew if, uh, well, first of all, they wanted to know if possibly I was, <laughs> I wasn't going to say that, uh, possessed of the devil. <laughs> and I said, well, look at me. I mean, you know, I don't, you have to kind of make your own decision here. You know, I have a master's degree, a PhD, I, I teach language, I'm a preacher, I serve God. But that may not mean that, you know, you have to weigh it yourself. I said, you need to evaluate my, my thinking and, and, and the way I talk. Maybe I'm really a maniac and check my hospital. I mean, I, I, I didn't give him permission to do that. But I mean, you know, I did say, you know, you could go back and check my medical records and see if I came from a... But I said, then you'd have to check all of the literal millions of people. But I said, I'm not a Pentecostal because I talk in tongues. That's how I was born, and I cried out and began to speak. I said, it was natural, and it was, it was essential, but that's not what makes me a Pentecostal. What makes me a Pentecostal is that I believe the Word of God. Everything in the Word of God, I believe it. So I'm a Pentecostal. If he said, you're going to talk in tongues, then I say, Jesus, help me talk and let me be your instrument, Lord, and flow in me. You're a healer. Someone said, well, then why isn't every single person healed that you ever come around? Oh, I don't know the answer to that. But you have to answer then one for me. Why are many healed? You have to answer that. You have to answer that question because the first that your question is your assumption is that if I if one man is healed, then every person has to be healed. Why would you make that assumption? Well, because if God is good and so on, well, God is good. So I make that assumption. God is good no matter what goes on. A man may be murdered on the street out there. That doesn't change. God is still good. Doesn't change it. Now, is God wanting the man shot to death? No, he doesn't want that. But God is still good. And so you have to answer my question as well. I didn't jump around and say it. I feel like jumping around a little bit today. I didn't jump at all. We were just talking. 
and one of the students at the university said, uh, Reverend, do you think you could uh, speak in tongues for us here? Just like that. They wanted me to speak in tongues for them. I said, that's, that's a great, I mean, that's awesome. I mean, the fact that you are asking me, I mean, do you, you sound like you believe that I speak in tongues. Because they originally had said they were, you know, a bunch of wackos and so on. But what actually happened was that entire room of Muslim, mostly men, felt the presence of God. Because I told them of a miracle in which God healed and instantly raised up a child. And I described it and I said, now you, can have, you have to check the records. I was in Chicago and I said, you have to check the records and you have to talk to the doctor yourself. But I am telling you, if you can either believe my words or think maybe I'm a little overboard, but it's still my word. I am telling you, God touched that baby instantly. I didn't say it like that. But I just feel like pointing and doing that. I didn't point, do any pointing. I said, God, touch that boy and raised him up. And I told the story. And I said, no, you have to evaluate that. I said, that's why I'm a Pentecostal. Because I believe the Bible. And why, pray tell, would it be hard for God to speak through me a language that I don't know? Why would that be hard for God? I teach several languages. I have a degree in ancient language. I speak four languages. Why would you think that it would be impossible for God? I didn't say it like that. I didn't say it like that. I just said, you have to think about it. And did you know one of them got the Holy Ghost? From that little little meeting we had there, one of them got the Holy Ghost out of that meeting because God is able to move and the presence of God, it is sealed upon our lives. Let's lift our hearts. Let's praise him. However much time we have, we ought to give him a little bit of praise for what he's done, what he said in our hearts. Father, we thank you, Lord. We know that we're going to see you because we have your presence now. Lord, we have a promise and a guarantee and we give you praise and magnify your wonderful name. Let's skip the next one about the the power of the resurrection because I want to, I got to, let's skip the one uh, go, <laughs> yeah, see this one. So the church does his work with the power of God on earth. How many remember in the Lord's Prayer it says, and thy will be done? Can you say that with me? I'm reading the King James. Thy will be done on earth. As it is in heaven. That's what the church is. The church is the only institution in the earth that brings heaven down into a sinful world. So here we are. That's why you have to live holy. Whoa, it got quiet. (laughs) That's why you have to live holy. Because you're the temple of God. You're God's temple. Oh, that was wonderful. That was just wonderful. Okay, so we're going to skip this. They're getting too quiet. Let's go to the next one. We, we need to hurry. Now, let's see if we can get this in. I've only got a moment. Now, how many recognize that picture? Can you tell what that is? Just tell you. Just ask yourself. You don't have to. 
you know, tell me, but I just want you to think. Does that is a picture of what I call a shotgun church. In other words, it's just a long church, two rows, and an aisle right down the middle. There are tons of these. Well, there's tons of them in Pentecost, but there's tons of them in the world. And this one is arranged for, anybody got an idea what it's arranged for? Can you see that picture? I know I've covered it over with a bunch of words. It's a wedding. It's, it's a wedding. And so that's why I've chosen this particular photo, because it's a, 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 a uh, reminisces about the church as the bride, and the bride is the most powerful symbol of purity that there is, and of course he's coming for his bride. Now, let's look at Ephesians 5, that's right at the very, very top. Let's do this, because I haven't done this yet. That he might present to himself a glorious church. Everybody say, a glorious church. Not a worldly, ungodly, who cares church. He didn't say, I'm going to go get any kind of sloppy church there is. Doesn't matter what they're doing. They're going to be drunk and, and carousing. But man, I'm bringing them up here because one day they went to church and signed a card. Doesn't say anything about that. Says he's, he's going to present to himself a glorious church. Now, I asked a fellow about this who was telling me that he didn't believe it mattered what you did. Once you were saved, you were saved. Didn't matter what you did didn't make any difference. I said, well, how is that glorious? And he said, it's because God says it's glorious. I said, but then that would make God uh, a liar. If he looked at something that was evil and carousing, let's say, let's use something we could all agree on, murderers, but they say, well, I murdered, but I'm okay. Bless God, I've got murder in my heart. I want to kill you right now, but I'm going to heaven. That's not glorious. It's going to be a glorious church. You know what I feel here today? I feel the glory of God in this place right now. He's going to present to himself a glorious church, not having what? Spot or wrinkle that, uh, so we can't pause long, or any such thing. That's, I love that. I love that. I love that. Can you say any such thing? Can you say that? I wish we'd have checked that. Uh, Sister, it's making a note to check that, Ephesians 5, 27. I want to check the Greek, and I want to see. But anyway, so we'll make a note of that. But here's what's beautiful about that to me. He's going along. The Spirit's moving him, and he says, I'm going to present to myself a glorious church. Hallelujah. Not having. And and then here comes the word, spot. And you think, what's that? Or wrinkle. See, that sounds like he's talking about the wedding garment, but but I'm just going to leave that alone. Or let's just get it all in. Anything like that. For anybody that thinks, well, hey, what can I get away with? Maybe I could lie two or three times a week and get it. No, no, no. In any such thing, I'm going to I'm I'm going to have a church that's going to be so pure and so beautiful. It's going to be folks right from the prisons and I'm going to fill them with my spirit. They're going to talk in tongues and their lives are going to be turned around. Praise God. But that it should be holy and without blemish. Okay, now look, now get your Bible because let me see. Oh, nope. Get your Bible, but let's stand. I was going to walk down the aisle now in verse 5. And talk about chapter 2. 
wherein in time past you walked according to the course of the world, what the devil told you to do, and verse 3, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we were by nature the children of wrath, but God has changed us. So we have been changed into the image of the Lord. Can we just lift our hearts and thank God for the word today? Father, we thank you that we have been changed. Lord, and I know we got a long way to go. There's lots of changing to do and work to do. But I'm not going back. Hallelujah. I've been made into the image of my Lord. And I want to be like him in all that I do. And I praise you, Lord. Somebody today is receiving the word of God. You're saying in your heart, I want to be like the Lord. And that is a good thing.